Hey, everybody, welcome in to the Eyes on Texas multicast. That is right. Uh, I'm Aaron Hogan. He is Mike Craven, and this is a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are recording live in the Austin Radio Network headquarters, fourth floor headquarters here in beautiful West Austin, overlooking downtown Austin in the 40 acres where the Longhorns had uh, practice today. They're back at it after their spring break off. It is episode three of our multicast, whose content, depth of knowledge, and insights will be unmatched in Longhorn Nation. We know there's a lot of podcasts and conversations out there, but this will be the staple for those who understand that the winning tradition, the pride of the University of Texas, will not be entrusted to the timid or the weak. It's your weekly home, and uh, beyond that, conversation for straight talk, honest uh, talk about the Longhorn football program and the athletic department. He is Mike Craven, the lifelong Austinite, raised inside the Texas football locker room, currently works as a senior writer for Dave Campbell's Texas football, formerly uh, at the Austin American Statesman and Rivals. I'm Aaron Hogan, uh, 33 years here in the ATX, 24 years on Morning Drive Radio, currently the co-host of the B&E Show, Bucky and Aaron, on the Longhorn flagship station, The Horn and hornfm.com throughout the Longhorn Nation. So it's going to be a great episode three, I think. we got a lot of Longhorn basketball to talk. Horns are on to the Sweet 16 for the first time in 15 years, and what a story that is. We've got a lot of Texas football talk. They're back from spring. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian after their fourth practice today in the stadium, and we'll go deep inside the Longhorn defense, talk about uh, this team coming back from the break. Also a big weekend on tap for the Longhorns coming up uh, coming up Friday, Saturday, and into Sunday. So we'll preview all of that with you coming up. Uh, hello, Mike Craven. How are you, my friend? All 13 Division I schools in the state of Texas that you guys cover at Dave Campbell's Texas Football now in spring practice. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time of year. It's a, maybe one of my favorite times of the year because we start doing the magazine. I start going to all the all the schools, and you walk out of every single locker room thinking somebody they're going to be good. You know, like you walk out of Rice's locker room, you're like, man, they got a chance to win nine games this year. You know, it's just one of those times of year uh, where the hope is up, uh, so the, the optimism is up, and so uh, yeah, it's been a been a fun couple weeks. All right. Well, uh, I always wanted to ask you this since you know I've covered UT camp a million times under different coaches, and it's always a little bit different, um, but. When you travel around to different spring practices and spring workouts, how alike or different are they? I mean, how much are they the same? How much do some coaches do it different? How much can you tell the difference from, from place to place? I think in spring, the the biggest difference is kind of when they start and how they space it out. Uh, but you go to most of these places and, and you only get a limited window. They give you 20, 25 minutes. So you get stretches and you get like kind of individual drills. You don't get to really watch uh, the meat and potatoes of practice. But a lot of rap music. You know, a lot of cuss words, uh, right? And so, and, and that way, they're pretty much the same. Really, the biggest difference is facilities and then size of the players. Like yesterday, I was at AM practice, whereas last week I was at SMU. And SMU is a pretty good team. Uh, but the offensive line, defensive line, SMU do, does not look like it does at AM or at Texas. They may have one or two of those guys, uh, but the SEC schools, the Power Five schools have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine of those guys. And so, to me, that's the biggest difference facilities and just team size. If you're finding us right now, we appreciate you doing it. You already know how to do it, but share this with a friend. Share it with some buddies. The Eyes on Texas podcast and multicast on YouTube at Dave Campbell's Football FB, um, or TF, I should say. TF is the way you find that. Also on Twitter and Instagram and our handles there. He is Mike Craven. You can find him on Twitter at Craven Mike. I'm at Aaron Hogan, E-R-I-N-H-O-G-A-N on Twitter, and we'll be posting out and pumping out content, obviously covering the spring, but this thing will run through the summer and then into what it promises to be an exciting 2023 football season, but the 2022-2023 basketball season is pretty fun. Let's start with our first quarter. We break the multicast into four quarters, four different conversations, and uh, break them up and have in-depth conversations on each quarter. We're going to talk Texas basketball here in our first quarter, and why not? With the Longhorns are into the Sweet 16 for Rodney Terry for the first time in 15 years. What a performance over the weekend in Des Moines, Iowa, very cold and frigid Des Moines, Iowa. And the Longhorns, boy, they, they shot the lights out in their first game. Uh, in the 15-2 matchup that, that uh, you know, Jabari Rice was just on fire. Uh, they lit it up and, uh, and won that game pretty easily. Then you play Penn State, a uh, similar team to Colgate. They beat Colgate in the first game. Then it's Penn State. Both teams perimeter-oriented, like to shoot the three-point shot. And the, the three-point shot not falling for Texas in game two. Cold shooting night. But, man, Dylan DeSue, uh, we talked about it last week on the podcast. The youngster from Fru- Pflugerville Hendrickson transferred in from Vanderbilt. His ascents here in the last seven or eight games of the season have just taken the Longhorns from pretty good team that could make a run to a team that I think there's no limit to the ceiling if he keeps playing like that, uh, Michael, because 28 points, 
you know, 14 of 20 from the floor. The three points were three point shots weren't falling, but just kept feeding the big man. Never varied from the uh, the situation. Kept trusting that he was going to get his buckets, and they won that game from the inside out, which you don't see a lot in college basketball these days. I mean, that's one of the more impressive wins Texas basketball has had. In 15 years, probably. Yeah. I mean, to do, not only to get to the Sweet 16 for the first time in a long time, but to do it without your A game, right? Like, they didn't play their best basketball, still beat a pretty good Penn State team. Uh, Dylan DeSue may be the best big man left in, in the tournament. You know, like that's how well he's playing recently. Uh, I would imagine those guards get better in, in the second weekend after kind of a slump in game two there against Penn State. Uh, I'm really excited for this game against Xavier. I, I think it's a heavyweight matchup on Friday night. Yeah, two two versus a three seed. The Midwest bracket has gone kind of chalk. There's been some madness over on the other yeah. side with the one seeds, Kansas, and uh, Purdue getting upset. Two two seeds are out, but Texas is in as the two seed. But Houston, the Cougars are in. Uh, what a performance they had in the second half and coming back and beating Auburn in the round of uh, 32. Uh, also, the uh, the three-seed Xavier out of Cincinnati, Ohio, coached by Sean Miller, who will preview coming up. And, uh, of course, Miami, the U, uh, Jim Laranega, really good coach. Uh, they got past the four-seed Indiana. So they are headed to Kansas City. Got to feel good for the Longhorns. They just cut the nets down on that arena in that building. Uh, when they won the Big 12 tournament just a week ago, won three straight games. They know the floor. They know the facility. There's got to be some good mojo there as they roll back in. But let's talk about Rodney Terry. Last week you posed the question, and we talked about it. Why wouldn't he be named the uh, the you know have the interim tag taken off? And uh, those conversations are fair. But man, uh, what a I mean, we talk about best games in 15 years. The coaching performance, right? You're looking, the, the coaches are under a microscope here in these games. What decisions they make in crucial moments? How do they handle their team when the pressure rises? You know, uh, Matt Painter at Purdue is hearing it again for a loss that is inexplicable to Fairleigh Dickinson. You know, Shaka Smart, another mm-hmm. early exit with a two seed at Marquette. You know, it coaches are, some coaches are tournament coaches, some coaches are, uh, uh, you know, regular season coaches. And Rodney Terry, had just showed that he is a tournament coach. I think uh, go back to, to Saturday night, the critical moment of the basketball game to get the Longhorns to the Sweet 16. Texas was in control of the game most of the night, right? They were 7 to 10 points up mm-hmm. most of the evening. Penn State also had a cold shooting night. They shot ended up shooting 8 of 28. They shot, you know, twice as many threes as the Longhorns did because they they shoot threes. Um, but Penn State made a run midway through about 10 minutes to go in the game. 30 minutes in, Penn State went on a 10-0 run. Uh, and next thing you know, all of a sudden you feel like you feel pretty good about the Longhorns, that they're in control of the game. And next thing you know, they're down three points, 58-55, 10-0 run. Rodney Terry at the 448 minute or mark in the game calls timeout, brings his team over, calms everybody down. And from that point on, they, they kept feeding Dylan to Sue. And here are the numbers. After Penn State took a three-point lead at 448, Texas didn't miss a shot the rest of the game. They made their next six shots and scored on their next seven possessions, if you include free throws, and won the game comfortably, 71-66. Penn State made some buckets late to make it look closer. That is impressive because that's that's winning basketball in March. Uh, Mike, you got to win the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, having experience at the guard position definitely helps that. Uh, but Rodney Terry's 21-7 as a head coach, seven wins over uh, AP top 25 teams, and he's 8-1 and one in close games now. So, I mean, I, I don't know what boxes he has left to check. Um, on that interim tag, you know, I, I would imagine he becomes uh, the full-time head coach unless something weird happens. Uh, they looked really good. They played really hard. And then you saw it kind of slip away. And it was like, uh-oh, okay, it, it, you know, Cinderella's pumpkin situation's happening here. Uh, and that timeout, like you said, regrouped this team, and they dominated down the stretch. And Dylan DeSue, bucket after bucket, soft, showing the soft floater range. And that becomes the key. We know the guards are there, right? The Longhorns have three guards who started tournament games for other teams last year. Marcus Carr with it when it was in Austin, but Tyrese Hunter and Serge Jabari Rice both won tournament, both run tournament games in other schools and then transferred in. This team is veteran in the backcourt. They've got a guy like Timmy Allen who can do a lot of different things. His defense on the uh, All American Jalen Pickett yeah. on Sunday night, huge. Saturday night was huge. Um, you know the, the 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 Brock Cunningham role. We know what he is, but man, Dylan D'Souza's emergence, as you said, maybe the best big man left. Uh, 28 points. He's from Pflugerville, and he was just tremendous. And if you look over my shoulder, our Nolan, our digital producer, is posting some tweets that went out. Uh, Kevin Durant, see y'all in the Sweet 16. Uh, game ball goes to DeSue. Like a young LaMarcus Aldridge right there. Uh, that went out as, they, as the Longhorn Nation was fired up. You got another one there, Nolan. I think uh, I think LaMarcus Aldridge had a tweet. I know Royal Ivy had a big tweet. There's LaMarcus. Big time win, fellas. 
Texas men, way to carry us. Uh, all shouting out Rodney Terry as well, TJ Ford, Royale Ivy. Safe to say the Longhorn alumni is fired up. And obviously those players, LaMarcus Aldridge, Royale Ivy, Kevin Durant, all played when Rodney Terry was as an, uh, as an assistant coach. And to your point about checking boxes, if you go back to when Rodney was here, people have asked us on the morning show on the horn, you know, can Rodney Terry recruit? Well, he was the primary recruiter of a lot of those players. <laughs> that's what he does best. Yeah, that's his best trait when he was with Rick Barnes. Now, Russell Springman really was the lead recruiter on Kevin Durant. Uh, but but LaMarcus Aldridge, Royal Ivy, um, DJ Augustine, some of the best players in Texas history, uh, it was Rodney Terry, the lead recruiter, which landed him a head coaching job at Fresno State and then UTEP. And I don't think that can be understated, the fact that this guy's been on the bench, he's run a team at a different level, but coaching's coaching. Teaching's yep. teaching. Connecting's connecting. And leading is leading. And Rodney Terry is doing all those things with this very talented team. I mean, the only question marks were the tournament. You know, and he ran through the Big 12 and won the Big 12 championship there. And now he's 2-0 and in the NCAA tournament and Sweet 16 for the first time in 15 years. I mean, that's that's all you can do, right? Like, that's all you can ask for. I think the unsung hero of that game was Timmy Allen, as yeah. you mentioned. Like, to go from a star guy who was expected to score a lot of points at one time in his career to now just being this junkyard dog of a defender who rebounds and does all the dirty work, not everybody's built for that. Not everybody will take that step back as an ego uh, player or whatever. For him to do that, I, I think is super impressive. Yeah. And that speaks to the coaching as well, right? Like that doesn't happen unless the culture inside the program is really strong. And for the culture to be where it's at right now with everything that happened earlier in the year is just darn impressive. Well, and that goes to veteran players too. Mm-hmm. They can't coach experience. And Timmy Allen, you know, when this season's over, his college career is over. He's not a pro player. Uh, he's not athletic enough or tall enough to play in the NBA. He might go play somewhere professionally around the world. But, you know, this is it for him in college basketball. He loves the game. He loves his teammates. That's the same for Jabari Rice. That may be the same for Dylan DeSue, Marcus Carr. You know, these guys are done, and they're they're playing like it. And, yeah, Timmy Allen didn't get to play in the Big 12 tournament because of his ankle. He got to see how the team ran without him. And he didn't come back saying, hey, give me the damn ball. You're he right. came back and said, let me find my role. And he had the assist game in, in the uh, Colgate game where he was dishing and diamond. And, uh, with, you know, getting all those three-pointers Texas hit. Marcus Carr hit four. Jabari Rice hit seven. And the Longhorns went 13 for 23 from three. Uh, a lot of those were set up by Timmy Allen passes from out of the lane. And uh, and then in this game, the defense on Jalen Pickett, who we know going in was a second-team All-American guard who likes to back down your smaller guards and post them up and then either score or dish out and play kind of a a forward, a, a, a interior point guard passing back out to open three-point shooters. Timmy Allen's length and defense really came big there, and Jalen Pickett ended up with, I think, 10 points and two one assist on the night. Uh, he did have 11 points, 10 rebounds. A lot of his rebounds were on missed, his own missed shots mm. where he would miss little chippies and get it back, uh, but he only had one assist, which was the key. I think the uh, the coaching there was great. Texas A&M, who lost to Penn State and that got walloped by Penn State in that first-round game, they kept coming off the shooters to cover Jalen Pickett, leaving their man, and he would kick it out and hit threes. They torched him from the outside. Texas didn't let that happen. Jalen Pickett with just one assist. I think you're right about Timmy Allen. And now it's on back to Kansas City. Xavier is the opponent. I'll say this about this. I mean, say this about Xavier. Uh, they're not ultra-talented, but they're well-coached. they got good ball players up and down. Sean Miller was at Xavier, then at Arizona, had the recruiting violation issues. Now he's back at Xavier. He can really coach. Uh, they're offensively top 10 in offensive efficiency in this country. So, they, you know, they assist on a lot of their buckets. They're one of those kind of teams. It's going to be very fundamental. But the Longhorns' advantage is that their defense is better than Xavier. Xavier is vulnerable on defense. I think they're in the middle 60s or 70s in uh, adjusted d- defensive end of the floor. Texas is, is top 15 in both offense and defense. So if the Longhorns play this brand of defense, I've given this stat a lot on the morning show and on Twitter. The Longhorns this year, when they hold their opponents to 72 points or fewer, have not lost a basketball game. They're undefeated. Every game they've lost this year, all eight, have come when they've allowed 73 or more. So that's the number when you're watching this game Friday night. If they keep like they have through the Big 12 tournament, these games in uh, in Des Moines, if they hold the opponent under 70 points, right in that range, the Longhorns' offense will be efficient enough to win the game. Yeah, tempo feels like a really important one this, this game. Uh, like you said, you know, a higher scoring game favors Xavier, average over 80 points a game. And they're balanced, right? Like there's not one guy to concentrate on. They have five guys that average in double figures, six guys scored over 10 points in their, play, in their win over Pitt. Uh, but they're not that deep. You know, they really only play six guys a lot of minutes. Seven guys played uh, in that game uh, against Pitt, but the seventh dude only played six minutes or seven minutes, something like that. So uh, I think with Texas's depth and their ability to just hound guys on the perimeter, uh, I, I think for them they're going to make this one a physical game, slow it down a little bit, keep it lower scoring, and be you know the Big 12 bully team. Well, think about it. Since they, they've won uh, 
you know, six straight games. They wrapped up the regular season with a win over Kansas, won three at the Big 12 tournament, won two in Des Moines. And in every game, I mean, the the, the, the opponent's total score was about 60 points or below. Yeah. I mean, they've done a great job. That's the kind of game Rodney Terry wants to play because he knows his offense is efficient enough. They make free throws. They close out games from the line. Now you got a guy like Dylan DeSue. They're going to score enough points if they can keep it in that, that, that score ballpark. You're right, tempo and uh, total score points will be big in this game for the Longhorns. And if they're able to find a win on Friday, Houston would be the likely opponent. I think Houston is just a better team than Miami, but I'll give Jim Laranega the credit. If they're hitting from three, um, you know, that, that'll be a chance for Miami. But think about this. We talk about Texas being top 15 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Kelvin Sampson's team's like top six in <laughs> offense and defense. They're good really team. good. Their defense is fourth overall in the country. They're so physical. And it looks like Marcus Sasser, their All-American point guard, is going to be okay coming back from that growing. And they're just they're deep. They're athletic. That'll be a huge challenge on Sunday if the Longhorns can get to the Elite Eight game. If the Longhorns can get out of Kansas City, they have every ability to win the national championship this year. And that's just a Big 12 game next year. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just play them twice, just in the regular season, probably in the tournament again. You know, uh, 2024 Big 12 is going to be awesome, basketball-wise. Just absolutely, absolutely great. But, yeah, I mean, that's the dream matchup, for especially for a guy like me who's so Texas-centric. I mean, I I feel like with just the place I work, all I do is care about, you know, Texas schools. So Texas versus Houston in basketball would be a great appetizer for what's going to happen this fall. The Eyes on Texas podcast, some Longhorn basketball in our first quarter, a little extended first quarter there because it's important. 15 years since the Longhorn. Horns were in this two, this far in the tournament, and uh, congratulations to Rodney Terry. I'll, let me give you one quick note. I've talked to some folks in the uh, the higher levels of UT, uh, and I, I saw the note from my friend Bobby Burton over at Inside Texas that the decision's been made. Rodney Terry's going to get this job, if mm-hmm. you're wondering, when the season's over. There's not a lot of suspense with that, uh, but Chris Del Conte's probably rightfully saying, why mess with it right now? Sure. Why even come up with a distraction. Uh, it is, you know, we've, we kind of know where we're going with this, but you know, part of this team's success is they're playing for Rodney. And right. That's the exact point right there. Like why take away the carrot from the players? You yeah, know, like if they're playing to get that man, his job, let him keep playing to get that man, his job. Yeah. No, d- give him the carrot. Uh, and don't create any distraction whatsoever. Same old, same old, <laughs> control the controllable. So there's your first quarter, second quarter and third quarter. And into the fourth, we'll flip to uh, Texas football. And let's do that right now. Let's flip to the second quarter on our eyes of Texas podcast. Uh, the main focus of this podcast over time will be the football team. Uh, and they're back from spring break. Uh, they took the week off. They had three practices in week one. Interesting that they did that. And a lot of times coaches will wait like at the Aggies, and other schools around Texas waited through spring break and then started this week. Sark wanted to get ahead of it, got three practices in, gave them the break and came back. Always can be concerning of how your players handle that week. Let's hear Steve, Sar- uh, Steve Sarkeesian today after practice where they went into the stadium at DKR and says, no, feels good about what the players did during the break, but says he hoped they enjoyed it. But um, a mature team that, that handled the week off uh, as well as can be expected. How was uh, the break? Was everyone as mature as you were hoping for over the time off? Yeah, you guys didn't write anything, so um, no, it, it went well. Um, proud of our guys. Hey, they're they're in college and they, they need to enjoy spring break. You know, we, we this is being a you know Division One football player, Power Five football player at the University of Texas. Uh, we ask a lot of them. We ask a lot of them as as athletes. We ask a lot of them as students. Um, and so w- when they have opportunities to to enjoy being in college. Hey, I welcome that. It's but making good choices and decisions, and and I think our guys did a really nice job of that last week. All right, so there's Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, no major issues for the Longhorns. You know, as he said, they, nobody wrote about anything. There were no issues off field. Uh, hopefully, they had a good time. And they're college kids. They're going to go to the beach. They're going to go see their friends, have a little fun, and they should. Right? They had winter conditioning. They're off school for the week, like we were back in college, Mike. It's a it's a good time to get away. You can't expect them to sit in their in their apartment, and do nothing, or go to the weight room. They're gonna go have a good time, but uh, everybody seemed to mind their p's and q's. I mean, they're college kids. If they want to go get in trouble, they do that on Tuesday night in, <laughs> on camp. Like this is Austin, Texas, right? It's not like there's not anything to do. And so, uh, if you're gonna trust your guys, you know, twenty four seven, you gotta trust them on spring break. And I think one of the reasons you start spring break early and get those three practices practices in before spring break starts is to set that message, is to set that tone of hey. Go have fun, enjoy yourself, but we're in the middle of something right now. We're trying to build to something big. We're trying to go win championships. We're trying to be, you know, a team ready to, to jump into the SEC. And so I, I think starting it before spring break and getting those three practices out of the way, especially the non-padded stuff, you can come back and, and put your foot on the gas pedal. Foot on the gas pedal is a good way to do it. Yeah, get the the preliminary stuff out and uh, get some healthy, get some guys maybe were banged up early back, right? And uh, two no, two players of note who didn't participate in the first week but now are, are back on the field. 
the running back, Jonathan Brooks from Hallettsville, who had a hernia surgery after the bowl game. He was the, the leading rusher and uh, scored the big touchdown on the screen pass in the Alamo Bowl and the loss to Washington. He was back uh, on the field wearing number 24. And then Malik Murphy, who raised some eyebrows. We talked about it in both of our first two episodes of the Eyes on Texas pod. This is not good. He's not getting any reps with uh, Arch Manning stepping in early in Rolly. Uh, but here was Steve Sarkeesian. Now, let's say this about Malik Murphy. Let's remember, he came in last year early, but he had gotten hurt in his state championship game. Uh, and wasn't able to participate in the spring last year. So he missed those reps, missed that time with the coaching staff. Uh, he had, a, had an ankle injury, foot injury. And then he got to the summer where he was, again, feeling healthier, and Sark confirmed that they did like a full throwing motion rebuild with him. I mean, they went back to the basics. They they wanted thought his throwing motion was too long. Uh, you know, to be efficient in this offense, they wanted to shorten it up. And so they, they rebuilt his passing motion and fundamentals, which, okay, now you're working on that. Uh, and now here he comes to get back on the practice field. Let's hear Sark talking about Malik Murphy back at practice, taking second team reps within the window that the media was allowed to watch today. The big, big quarterback out of California. It was great to have Malik back out there. He had a minor setback at the end of winter conditioning. Um, we were probably... Uh, a little bit conservative with him that first week, thinking, okay, um, if we back off him the first week of spring ball and give him spring break, then he can get back and, and be going back again here in the second week of spring ball. So that was positive to have him back out there. We've got a long way till we play, right, in, in September. So ultimately, yeah, can Malik push Quinn? Of course he can. You know, how far can he take it? Quinn's job is to keep raising his level of play so he can't catch him, right? And that should be at every position across the board. All right, there is uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, echoing something we've talked about since this podcast began, this multicast began, Mike, the competition. And I think Sark just just put that on a bumper sticker right there. Yeah, Malik better be pushing Quinn, and Quinn better be raising the level. That's what we want around here at every position because if – Nobody's comfortable. We want Malik now to push to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Arch Manning pushed to be the starting quarterback, and Quinn Ewers has to fend it off and, and raise his level day by day. Texas has been trying to get back to this point for 10-plus years, yeah. you know, where they can really look at a roster and go, that guy's going to take your job. Like, I don't care if you're a starter or not. Like, you know, you only won eight games last year, you know? It's not like a, a team that played for a national championship or won a Big 12 title. You only won eight games, and that was a great step in the right direction, but that doesn't solidify your spot. Quinn Ewers didn't play well enough to do that. Most of the guys on the team you know, didn't do well enough to do that. So I think that's a message you want to send. If you say the quarterback position is done, how can you with a straight face say the left tackle position is open or the cornerback position or the linebacker position? You don't want anybody to feel comfortable because that's when things start to slip. Yeah, and if you, if you get comfortable, you feel like I've got this job. And look, there's been times over the last 10 years you just talked about, Mike Craven, that the guy that was starting was the only thing they had. Mm-hmm. Like he knew there was nobody behind him. Uh, so that leads to to uh, you know the, to some of the issues we've seen at Texas. There's a, a just a general, eh, I got this job, I'm yeah. good, uh, kind of a complacency that can set in. Uh, you know, It happens when you're not deep enough, and it also happens when you get really good and everybody's patting you on the back. you got to fight that off, and this team feels like it's fighting for every spot. You're right that it's got to be across the board. Also, another player that's back on the practice field that I think is turning some heads, and uh, I know Steve Sarkeesian is excited to, to have back in our Episode 2 podcast and uh, last week. We really went in depth on the on the offensive side of the ball and the depth of the wide receiver position. Part of that is the return of Isaiah Nayer, uh, the transfer from Wyoming a year ago, who was turning so many heads in spring last year into the summer, and then unfortunately hurt his knee uh, in early on in training camp, uh, if you remember. And uh, first scrimmage that they had last August, uh, he you know hurt blew out his ACL, missed the whole season, and he's coming back. So he's back within. You know, what is that, 10 months yep. uh, from August to now? Uh, eight, 10 months that he's back on the field. And here's Steve Sarkeesian, happy to have Isaiah Nayer back and feels like he's on a good trajectory to be a big part of this team in 2023. We're monitoring reps, obviously, but it was, again, good to get him. You know, he looked as good as he's looked. And that, that's, I think his rehab has gone really well for him, not only physically, but mentally. Anytime you have surgery like that, um, as much as it is the physical rehab, it's the mental rehab. Um, but I think that, that he's dialed into it. I, I think that you know, gradually working him back in uh, at the rate that we're going is a good sign for where we need to be come the fall. All right, Isaiah Nayer, uh, here we go, Mike. I mean, uh, A.D. Mitchell coming in from Georgia, Xavier Worthy without a broken hand this year, hopefully for the Longhorns, <laughs> Jordan Whittington. Uh, if, if Nayer is as advertised, and I've talked to folks who he trains with and 
who were around him last year, uh, one of those being Quan Cosby, our good friend who, of course, was a great player at the University of Texas. He was at a lot of the practices last year and said, this guy's a dude. This guy's the real deal. Uh, he can really play, and then that's why the injury was so unfortunate. And I think it did lead to some of the passing game issues they had last year, moving Isaiah Nair all over and, excuse me, uh, Xavier Worthy all over without Isaiah Nair. Having all those guys back, plus some of the young guys that are coming in, um, this this can be you know as impressive a group as there is in the Big 12 and one of the better receiving cores in, in all of college football. Yeah, I mean, on paper, I, I don't know if there's another passing game in the Big 12 that looks as dangerous as Texas is, for sure. I mean, TCU loses a lot. You know, Kansas State's not the downfield explosive passing passing team. So, you know, Texas should have the best, best passing offense in the Big 12 if they can get on the same page, you know, with the quarterback. When you have a foursome of Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Naor, uh, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, and then you got young guys, you know, uh, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, you know, coming up. So uh, Savion Red can slide back out of that position if you need him to. Brendan Thompson running track right now. So all of a sudden that that room looks as dangerous as it's looked in a long time. You know, JT Sanders at tight end adds to that as well. And so uh, should passing game should be the least of the concerns for the Texas Longhorns with the quarterback talent that they have, the wide receiver talent that they have. It's just about getting on the right, the same page and getting more consistent. Coming up in our fourth quarter of the Eyes on Texas multicast, we're going to talk about the big weekend on tap for the Longhorns. It's coaching clinic weekend, big recruiting weekend. And the Longhorns may not be done at wide receiver, Mike, because uh, Texas, according to several reports, is hosting USC transfer wide receiver Gary Bryant. Uh, Gary Bryant Jr. on a host visit this weekend. Uh, he caught 645 yards worth of passes last year, eight touchdowns. He played for 70% of the snaps in the Lincoln Rally offense last year at USC. Um, court scored eight touchdowns, as I mentioned. So he's he, he will be here. War number one at USC a year ago. Gary Bryant Jr. So deep, getting healthy, and they're not done. <laughs> See, Sarkeesian is not going to be in a spot like he was last year where he didn't have enough pieces. Uh, we know, go back to his Alabama days where – and you had four number one draft pick wide receivers. There's there's never enough good talent out there. <laughs> that team, I'll always remember them playing rock paper scissors to see who could like run jet sweeps and stuff on that <laughs> yeah. team because there was just so many NFL talent there. And that's what you want. That's what we're talking about with the competition, right? Like you want there to be no drop off, and you want to run so many plays and be so successful that guys aren't fighting for snaps because there's plenty to go around, like we saw with Bijan and, and Roshan last year at running back. Yeah, I've, we've seen some great offenses over the years in college football. The Texas offense in 05 with Vince Young that averaged 50 points a game was pretty much unstoppable um you know and USC found that out in the end uh you know the Joe Burrow LSU offense of a few years ago but that offense man I don't know I mean when you're talking Jalen Waddell and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and you just uh, gosh I mean player after player uh just studs and look I mean Steve Sarkeesian not done they've got this receiving core but going after a, a pretty good player who's in the portal out of USC uh, trying to steal one from Lincoln Riley that's how you. That's how you. You push this thing, and you let everybody in your locker room know. No one. No one has secured a spot. I think that's that's interesting. We'll talk more about that coming up. That's our second quarter. Uh, getting the Longhorns back on the practice field. Uh, some of the guys who are back from injury, which is a good thing. It'll be back. Longhorns will practice. They practiced on Tuesday. They'll practice Thursday and then Saturday as part of the big weekend that we'll preview coming up in our fourth quarter. But wanted to switch gears. It's intermission time. We're halfway through our Eyes on Texas multicast uh, here on the. Republic of Football. Pod, what, do, what do we call this thing, Mike? Let me get this right. Republic of Football Network. Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. thing is growing like crazy. Uh, we're going to be one of the more viewed podcasts on there. That's our goal. But it's all at uh, TexasFootball.com, the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast. We're recording live here from the Austin Radio Network in Austin, Texas. Mike Craven and Aaron Hogan. All right, let's switch gears. Uh, over to the defensive side of the ball because last week on on episode two, Mike, we went deep into the offense, went through all the positions, and uh, today about some the defensive side. And let's start with just a general overview. Year one with Steve Sarkisian and Pete Kwiatkowski was a disaster <laughs> on defense. It was not yeah. good. Uh, you know they were they're trying to bring in warm bodies out of the transfer portal to fill spots to bring some depth to the program, uh, and obviously. They had some guys not buying in to the new defense. They had guys that were checking out. And we know last – I mean, go back to two years ago with Bo Davis banging on the bus roof and the Iowa State game. It was a collapse on defense, historically bad. Uh, a lot of Longhorn fans were concerned. But last year, the addition of Gary Patterson, who has moved on, of course, is going to move on from his role as a, as a special assistant to the head coach. But Pete Kukowski, the defensive staff, uh, really, I think, got their hands around this, this, this group. They got more talent involved and played much better on the defensive side of the ball last year. 
Yeah, I mean, gave up 10 points fewer than they did the year before. You know, that's all you can ask for right there. I mean, they became a top 30 scoring defense in the nation. And, you know, they don't have to be a top five team, right? They don't have to be, you know, an elite defense. They just need to be a really good defense, an opportunistic defense, and one that does play or what one that plays well in, in the red zone. And so I think they're getting towards that. They have some pieces there. The offense is more experienced. The offense brings back 10 starters, the defense, not as many. Uh, but I think the talent's there. I think that there's a lot more depth and a lot more playmakers than there's been in years past. It's true. They don't have to be George on defense. It would be good if they can get it to George on defense, but with this offense, as we just talked about, uh, they need to uh, be opportunistic, which they were last year. Jalen Ford, the linebacker, with all the interceptions and the big plays uh, to save games. You know, the hope this year is if the offense is indeed better in the passing game and, and you know, finishing drives that you don't have to save games in the fourth quarter. You can put games away uh, and not have to have your defense save the day. But Jalen Ford, so big last year. But bringing guys back up front, we know they're 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 st- thick in the middle, right? I mean, guys like uh, Tavondre Sweat, who is back at defensive tackle. A guy like Byron Murphy, who should be a, a big factor. And across the line, I mean, Bo Davis has a good unit. They brought in some young players there as well. But the question is going to be edge rushers. Who's going to get the pressure off the edge? They were number one in the in all of college football last year in pressure rate. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, pressuring the quarterback. But Longhorn fans hear that, and they're going, gosh, I just didn't see a lot of sacks. I mean, they were, yeah, they were pushing the pocket. They almost got to Bryce Young a bunch of times. They almost got to X, Y, or Z. But who's going to finish the deal? Do they have a finisher? Here's Steve Sarkeesian uh, after practice today, as a matter of fact, talking about the candidates to become that finisher, that closer off the edge, which is so vital in playing defense in today's pass-happy football game. Um, well, I think Ethan Burke has done a nice job. Um, I think that, that we've seen you know flashes out of him. I think we've seen flashes out of um, uh, Jamon Tapp. Uh, I think there's some position flexibility in Jure Bledsoe. Uh, I like the prospect of, of Colton Vosick. Um, I, I hate it if I'm leaving somebody out, but again, we got a long way to go at that spot. You know, I think Sorrell clearly, with the experience that he's had, that he's played with. Um, feel strongly about that and if we can create more activity out of him I think he had five and a half sacks last year can if if he is that frontline guy for us can we get that number you know up closer to 10 what would that look like for us as a defense so um, but in the end we're always trying to find complementary players and and how do we generate that pass rush that we that we so want right um, I think we're one of the top teams in the country at pressuring the quarterback a year ago. We didn't always get the sack numbers, but we got pressure on the quarterback. But ideally, we'd like to get the sack number up because that means we're creating negative plays. And it probably means we're getting off the field on third down, which is a huge point of emphasis for us this spring and then going into the fall. All right, he mentioned the name uh, Ethan Grant, uh, Ethan Burke out of uh, Westlake and then his teammate Colton Vosick. Those are two guys who we've seen here in the Austin area in the high school level, teammates uh, on a state championship team or two at Westlake. Uh, that Colton Vosick flip from Oklahoma, Mike. I mean, you covered recruiting; you still do. Uh, that's that's the kind of guy when you watch him, his his length, his bend. Uh, you know, he's got a, a bit of a, a Aiden Hutchinson Boza kind of look to him coming off the edge. He's that you know I don't want to put him in that category yet, but he was in high school. He was that kind of player. His father is a legacy. He was committed to Oklahoma because he loved his relationship with Brett Venables. Uh, but in the end. Uh, Texas and the hometown won out. Uh, the, the improvement of the Texas defense helped bring him back to Texas, and that could be the kind of guy, not just this year, but the next several years, that is that it was, was a huge flip for the Longhorns in recruiting. I think offensive line obviously is the number one turnaround since Sarks got here, but defensive line and on the edge isn't far behind. Like They're really starting to collect a lot of bodies that can play good football. You mentioned a couple of them there, just as Finkley as well on his second year on cam- campus, Jamon Tapp, second year on campus, you know, uh, Mitchell's first year on campus. Like, they got a lot of young guys. But to me, you know, it's the development of, of Sorrell that's going to be the biggest part. I, I think Sark hit it on the head. Five and a half sacks last year. If they can get that to eight and a half, nine, nine and a half sacks, all of a sudden now, you know, this defense is something it wasn't it wasn't last year. And then conversely, we're going to talk about linebackers in a second. But Maurice Blackwell off the edge as well is going to be another another player that can that can provide those. Yeah, let's not forget those are those work together, right? You can bring. The, the the you know the the Joker blitzes or the star position blitzes that they did. Marvion Overshone mm-hmm. was one of the better pass rushers they had last year. He's off to the NFL. Uh, who replaces him? Mo Blackwell is a name which we'll talk about coming up. Let me say Ethan Burke though. He's such an interesting prospect to me because if you know around people around Westlake, they'll tell you he was d- dedicated to lacrosse. 
uh, coming through high school. He was a great lacrosse player, uh, but long and fast That's and athletic. That's scary, by the way. Huh? That's scary, by the way, to imagine that man coming at you with a stick. <laughs> yeah. And finally, they got him to, to focus on football, and he erupted. He became this – when you had Colton Vosick and Ethan Burke coming off the edges – I mean, this is like the, the Broncos with Vaughn Miller and DeMarcus Ware back in the day. Uh, what are you going to do? You can't you can't block these guys. And that's what they were. And Ethan Burke is one of those that maybe late to football, had lacrosse as his first love, but, man, just has that long body, uh, that athleticism, the speed. And that's what it takes, right? You, 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 there's a half second between getting a sack and getting a pressure. Uh, and that's the kind of closing speed that you're looking for at that spot. I think Ethan Burke is a name to watch because he wasn't a, a highly recruited guy. He was one of the last guys the Longhorns offered, but he was just he's just too raw of a talented prospect. And that's where Sark talks about development, taking these guys from what they were to what they're going to be. Ethan Burke, a name to watch. You put another 10, 15 pounds of muscle on him. He can be a scary player. Uh, so that's the defensive end, the rush end. It's the, probably the most critical position. But uh, we'll get to linebackers. Anyway. Let's go DBs here, Nolan, because you know what helps a pass rush is coverage. right? When you can cover in the back end, that helps the, the pressure get home. Longhorns were better in the back end last year, especially when healthy. But this year, they feel like they're going to be even deeper. Uh, let's hear Sark after today's workout, uh, workout number four of spring you practice, know, talking about the DBs. It's a great competition, right? we got a lot of good players, a lot of good-looking athletes. Um, obviously, Ryan Watts with the you know, kind of success he had last year. Um, you know, Gavin Holmes, experienced player. Terrence Brooks, what he did at the second half of last season. Um, I love kind of the, the development of Xavion uh, Bryce. Um, you know, Malik Muhammad has stepped in and, and is a very competitive young man, love what he brings. And then it gives us versatility, right, with a Jade Barron or a, a Austin Jordan, guys of that nature, where we can move them around, maybe play them at nickel some. So all in all, we're, we're just trying to create depth. And I think we're finally at a spot now. Um, somebody mentioned to me coming off the field, it's, it feels good to have depth even in spring practice. And so that, that both those two positions, I think you kind of touched on, man, we've got, we've got much better depth than I think we've had in, in the previous two years. Two guys he didn't mention, Mike, in that soundbite, Jalen Gilbo, mm -hmm. uh, who was such a good player early as a freshman, just really turned so many heads in camp last year, uh, got hurt. He was a true freshman who you covered in recruiting. Uh, and then Jalen Catalan, uh, who is, is, the Arkansas transfer, and Sark did confirm after practice this, this yesterday and this week that he did have some cleanup surgery. He's probably not going to participate in the spring, but they're not too worried about the Arkansas transfer because he's such an experienced player, such a veteran. They want to make sure he's fully healthy. He is participating in you know, the meetings and the, the learning the defense and the calls, but uh, he's not going to be on the field much, Jalen Catalan. But that's a lot of depth right there. I mean, you're talking about really good players, uh, and it, it kind of sounds like they're getting back you know, the, the, the secondary, the, the Terry Joseph is the corners coach. Blake Gideon is the safeties coach at Texas. And, you know, Blake Gideon was here with Dwayne Aquina, right? And that was about cross-training players to where you can play corner and you can play safety, you can play nickel. And it kind of feels like they're doing that right now. We know last year Sark was big with Pete Wachowski of getting more speed on the field. So they moved some corners to the safety positions to be faster and more athletic. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of that cross-training where guys can play a lot of different positions, whether it's safety, star, um, excuse me, safety, box safety, or or on the outside. Yeah, I mean, we listed the the wide receivers and the targets that that Texas has offensively. They have to get better on defense, guarding those guys every single day, right? Like that's going to be uh, a big competition there. And I, I, when you talk to guys like Rod Babers, you know, when it was DBU, one of the reasons it was DBU is because they were facing Roy Williams and Slow Thomas and BJ. You know, like those guys were there every single day. Iron sharpens iron situation. So uh, I think the the secondary is going to be really good. I think three of those spots are, are pretty much secure. Now, I think Jalen Catalan is going to be a starter. Terrence Brooks is going to be, or uh, Ryan Watts is going to be a starter. Uh, Jaron Thompson is going to be a starter. But that spur position, that nickel spot between Jada uh, Barron and Jalen Gilbo is going to be a dogfight. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Watts will be the boundary corner, right short side of the field. He's going to play a lot of man coverage. Wide side of the field. You're, I, I love Terrence Brooks. I know you covered him in recruiting. Uh, with Little Elm, is that uh, yep. his high school? Yep. And isn't Ryan Watts, Little Elm, too, uh, transferring from Ohio State? Wasn't he a player there? I don't. Uh, I think that I think they were teammates at one point in high school. But Ryan Watts, the the rangy boundary corner. But Terrence Brooks, I saw him close, and I know our producer Nolan was on the field to see him play in the Alamo Bowl. Number eight played good, man. I mean, he was not afraid. And Washington had one of the best passing offenses in the country. That's a guy to watch. What a dog he's going to be on the outside. Now, Austin Jordan's a name to watch. He's one of the better athletes on the team. And the other name that Sark mentioned was Gavin Holmes. That's one that Longhorn fans need to get to know. 
He is a transfer from Wake Forest through the portal, two-year starter in the ACC. Uh, some have already said he's one of the fastest, most athletic players in their secondary. So Gavin Holmes, a name to watch. Just a lot of good players back there uh, at that position. And again, if you can cover it for half a second more, that's the half a second you need to get that pass rush home and uh, turn those pressures into sacks. Uh, and as Sark said, third down stops, get off the field, force turnovers, all the things a good defense and potentially a great defense wants to be. Uh, all right, in our third quarter, let's flip to the uh, linebacker position. Last year, you, again, a lot of questions. Where would this team have been without Jalen Ford stepping up last year? I mean, I mean, DeMarvion Overshone was the known commodity, but who was going to be that next guy? Jalen Ford not only stepped up, he played to a level that could have been the Big 12's defensive player of the year. That went to Felix uh, and Yaduke Ozoma uh, from Kansas State. But uh, a lot of people thought Jalen Ford kind of got hosed on that deal uh, with all the, the impact plays he made. Tell me about Jalen Ford. You saw him coming out of high school. He's a, you know not a huge recruit, but has turned into one heck of a football player. Yeah, I mean, that, that was always his rep, right? He's just around the football, very productive guy up in the DFW area. Uh, again, it goes back, like, we didn't see Texas develop players like this, right? Like, if they weren't good right away, they tended to go away and they just never emerged. For Jalen Ford to come about last year and, and be that guy in the middle next to Overshone, it allowed Overshone to free up and go rush the passer and do a bunch of stuff that he's good at doing on the edge. And so, you know, I think Ford was the MVP in the state, for sure, one of the best defensive players. Him and Tyree Wilson at, at Texas Tech, probably the two uh, best defensive players in the state last year. Uh, productive. Like, you look at every single stat line that you could possibly have as a defender, and he was putting stats there. Uh, and now it becomes who's going to be the guy next to him, right? And so uh, they're going to have to develop more depth there as well. But there's plenty of bodies, plenty of high-level recruits, and it's just figuring out what the right combination is. Well, and I think if you look at the recruiting class this year, the 2023 class linebacker, I mean, there were a lot of good positions. When you have Arch Manning on that recruiting level, Cedric Baxter Jr., C.J. Baxter at running back, uh, you feel pretty good about those positions. But linebacker, because it's been a bugaboo problem in recruiting for Texas, uh, Anthony Hill. And think about this. What you just said, I think Texas finally showing development. Jalen Ford's improvement, DeMarvion Overshone's growth at that position. guy like Anthony Hill, the five-star kid out of, D of Denton, uh, you know, he was an A&M commitment. A&M's defense fell off the map. And all of a sudden, Texas's defense is on the rise, and Anthony Hill says, wait a second, maybe I can go to Texas and get developed. He might be that guy. Let's hear Sark talking about that linebacker position and how they're emerging here in the spring and beyond. We've got a lot of depth there. It, it, all of a sudden, it went from, okay, what are we going to do with DeMarvion being gone? And, and then Jalen decides to come back, and so that, that's great having him back. And I think the, you know just kind of the development of Jet Bush has been positive. The development of, of Mo Blackwell has been a real positive. David Benda had the best offseason he's had since we've been here, uh, and it showed up in his play, not only on defense but on special teams. Um, the, the influx of Leonga LaFowle and, and Anthony Hill. Um, so it's a, it's a very strong position for us, not only defensively, but that linebacking core is critical to our success on special teams as well. I mean, Demo provided a lot on teams for us. So uh, we feel good about it. Um, I think it's, it's a real positive right now. All right, real positive. And that's, you know, this is – you were at the Texas A&M opening press conference today with Jimbo Fisher, which was kind of weird. Uh, there's not a lot of positivity. doesn't feel like at College Station, but this is the Eyes on Texas pod. It's just so much belief that they have the players. that they. I mean, we've gone through every position now with Sark and the coaches across the board. Uh, even at punter, where they brought in the four-year starter from Stanford who's going to handle the punting and could handle the kicking duties when it's all said and done. Uh, that's why on, on the morning show on, on the Horn here in Austin, Bucky and I have called it the No Excuses season for Texas. No Excuses Tour. It's the last year in the Big 12, but the, the players are there, right? The, there are going to be some question marks. There'll be injuries. There'll be things that, that don't go great. But, man, depth, you just said, linebacker, depth, cornerback, depth. We don't know who's going to be the edge rusher, but we got guys. Uh, interior D-line, depth. This team has done, this coaching staff has done a tremendous job of acquiring talent, whether it be through the recruiting process and or the transfer portal and a combination of both. There are a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. And the recruits are starting to take notice. Like, we always knew Sark was going to be a recruit offense, right? Because he's, he's an offensive guru. He's at Alabama. He's scoring all his points, putting guys in the NFL. But the guys we've mentioned today that are true or not true freshmen, all of them, but like Colton Vosick flipped from Oklahoma. Uh, Ethan Burke, you were talking about, he was committed to Michigan for a long time. Yeah. Anthony Hill committed to Texas A&M, right? So, like, these defensive stars, these big-time recruits in the state are starting to trust Texas on the defensive side of the ball to be developed as, as well. 
Uh, and that's where you start getting this combination where I, th- I think that's a great point. There's no excuses, right? At least talent wise. Like they have the bodies and it's year three. That's that's the whole plan. Like this is how it's supposed to work. Year one, uh, you kind of figure out what you have. And you're going to you're going to look bad sometimes. And Texas did that in the five win season back back and in twenty twenty. And you're going to clean out some guys and, and all that. And then the next year you want to see some improvement. You want to see that taking off point, right? Like, hey, they're moving in the right direction. And by year three, it's your football team. And, and right now, Sark feels like a guy who's very confident in his football team. One that a couple years ago when he first got there couldn't even have a spring game because there wasn't enough depth at certain positions. Yeah, and they had to have almost a spring scrimmage mm-hmm. or just a whatever glorified like open practice. walk-through practice-looking yeah. thing. Uh, they will have a spring game April the 15th, and we're going to be covering it all the way to uh, that orange-white scrimmage the middle of April here on the Eyes on Texas podcast. Uh, real quick on the linebackers because I, I skipped to the just the overall talent, but you know, David Bend is an interesting name. He was a highly recruited player. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, my co-host on the Horn, Bucky, always talks about when he recruited Ricky Williams. And he went to the running backs that are already there and said, y'all better get better. I mean, y'all better, this kid's going to play. Like, just be ready. Ricky Williams is committed to us. And he said everybody in the room got better. It just is one of those, we're bringing in a stud, but the other guys don't want to completely be lost. Now, in the transfer portal era, that can change some things, but... It does feel like a guy like David Bend understands LaFunga LaFau out of Hawaii and Anthony Hill. They get they can read the recruiting rankings. They know these dudes are coming in. I should also mention a linebacker Texas recruited a Darian Gallette uh, out of Marlin, Texas. Teague, who is a super athlete, unbelievable, got hurt. He's not participating because he got hurt in his senior season. He's recovering. But, man, three or four just knockout of the park linebackers in this recruiting class. So every everybody that's already been there understands – I better step it up. Yeah, I mean Samaje Burrell as well. I mean they they got some dudes at that position, right? And I think that's I think that's a great point. Like if you are sitting there in the locker room, they're always trying to replace you. Like that's that's what recruiting is. And and on the defensive side of the ball, they can get on the field. They can get on it slowly and then start taking your job. You know, now with so many early enrollees, that that process starts earlier and earlier. So that's good that David Binda seems to be locked in and playing his best football. And he's going to need to be, or he's going to get passed up. And that's where you want to be as a program. Yeah, in the natural attrition, because some of those guys will jump in the portal and maybe even after the spring, yep. and realize, man, I, yeah, that, yeah, that's going to happen. That's okay, I, I like that as a as a you know somebody's covered college football my whole life. I like the opportunity for a guy like David Bender, for example. Not even saying this is going to happen, but if he gets to the end of this thing, says, man, I need to, I want to start at some point, and I'm not going to do that here. There's places you can go play. Especially when you're a senior, a registered senior, you've got your degree, right? You're in graduate school. Uh, That's the whole point of the transfer portal. Sure. Let a guy go play and uh, show what he can do. You don't want to finish up your career watching the game from the sidelines. This gives you that opportunity. He'll have the rest of his life to watch the game. But I do like, I keep hearing Sark talk about him, so especially on special teams, maybe even as a a spot player. Because, again, you can't just rely on freshmen uh, in in this spot, uh, you know, at that position. So, all right, that's a run through the defense in our Episode 3 of the Eyes on Texas podcast. Uh, Good stuff. Defensive line, who's going to be the pass rushers? Uh, Secondary is is really, really deep, especially when they get Jalen Catalan and Jalen Gilbo back. Uh, They're going to be dudes across the board and then linebackers. You just heard Sark uh, talking about it. Let's let's shift gears to the fourth quarter, the final segment of our multicast here. We go quarter by quarter, and I wanted to mention that it's a big weekend for the Longhorns. You know, taking the break off, it's a big weekend in Austin. I can say that for folks who are watching all over the state, all over the country. Uh, It's a big weekend here. The Longhorns are at spring practice. The Longhorn baseball team is going to be hosting Texas Tech in a big baseball series, the first Big 12 series for the Longhorns. Uh, They're on a 10-game winning streak currently. Uh, This is big, kind of a litmus test game uh, for David Pierce and series for them against Tim Tadlock's group that's 18-4. and Also, we've already talked about Texas basketball. They're playing in the Sweet 16. But locally, you've got uh, the Dell match play. Uh, The 64 best players in the world are going to be out at Austin Country Club about six miles that away. Got to avoid the north north side. The traffic is going to be bad out here. It's going to be bad. Well, you live down by the airport uh, here in Austin, and the NASCAR is going to be out at Circuit of the Americas, the the Echo Park (laughs) 500. Yeah, NASCAR. I'm going to be inside Uh, my house this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Uber Eats. Shut shut in place or shelter in place. Should have rented my place out. Yeah, NASCAR is coming in for their race now, which, you know, Coda was built as an F1 track, but you know that's going on, and Longhorn Spring practice is going on. So, and for Steve Sarkeesian, he said today at the press conference, this is a big week. He he's excited about the match play. He likes golf. He's probably going to get out to ACC and uh, see some of the good golf out there. Uh, but he said Friday they got their coaches clinic, and this is cool. Now you can speak to this covering you know high school football and college football for Dave Campbell's Texas football. Mike coaches clinic, coaches from all over the state roll in here for this, and, and the keynote speaker. The, the top of the mark guest speaker is Kyle Shanahan. 
uh, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, the lifetime Longhorn, mm-hmm. played here. And Steve Sarkeesian said uh, the Kyle is coming back from the 49ers, done an unbelievable job with his career and where he's gotten to. To get him back here as an alum is great. We've got a great relationship. And I know that he, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury, those guys talk football you know, all the time, just, you know, just like we would talk anything else. They get together and talk offense and talk, you know, game plans and just go really nerdy, which is really cool. But Kyle Shanahan, as good a coach as there is uh, offensively and really what he's done with the 49ers, if not for the quarterback stuff this year, who knows, that's pretty cool. And I have to think a lot of high school coaches are going to want to roll in here and uh, gain some wisdom from uh, from a guy like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, it's a good opportunity for Coach Finner, you know, moving over from LBJ. It's kind of his first big event where he's going to have all the coaches uh, from the state inside there. You know, the THSEA, the Texas High School Coaches Association, I mean, they're a mafia, right? And I say that, like, in an endearing way. Like, they are. They run this state. Like, you're not getting inside those rooms. You're not getting those recruits unless you have a, a really good relationship with them. Um, you know, you all you got to do is look at UTSA and Texas Tech, right? Like, former THSEA members are, are leading those programs. Uh, we still care about high school football in the state, and so I think it's a good opportunity for Sark to get all those guys in, give them some access, let them feel good, talk to talk ball with them, like you said. Um, and so it's a it's a really important weekend, I believe, for the, for the University of Texas, addition, and it always is. In addition to the coaches clinic, it's also a big recruiting weekend. They've got a big junior day and a cookout on Saturday. There'll be some top prospects in town, and boy, the the, the early recruiting reviews. A lot of Longhorn love out there on the recruiting trail for the class of 2024 and 25. Um, that momentum is there, and obviously, if you follow it up with some some performance, and uh, they also, you know, so they got that. You got the big cookout, and then he said uh, uh, he said more eyeballs than usual will be watching Texas practice on Saturday. He hopes their attention will bring the best out of the team in front of a lot of interested parties because have all these high school coaches there. Kyle Shanahan will be there to watch practice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you know, I'm sure he'll bring up a contingent from the 49ers and some other folks be a lot of people that's uh that's how you want to put on a show right on a week and on a weekend in austin for for recruits potentially and future players to come in and see the pga tour out here and nascar over there and uh you know austin fc's playing out there i mean there's just a lot this is a cool city yep. to live in now, you're going to stay in your apartment and not move. <laughs> I, am. I am. Yeah, and like, and spring gives you an opportunity to kind of show those recruits what you're about in a low-stress environment, right? Like if you're Sark, you know, it's not a game week. You're not preparing for an opponent. You didn't have a game that day where you're kind of divided your attention. Uh, you can spend a lot more time with those recruits and their coaches and let them get a feel for how you run your day-to-day operation. All right, so that's it. The big weekend for the Longhorns with the Coaches Clinic. Uh, it's going to be a big junior day and cookout uh, for the Longhorns. And, of course, spring practice will continue. They're going to practice Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And then Saturday will be the one with all the eyeballs on it. Then into the following week. And, of course, it all wraps up with the Orange-White scrimmage on April the 15th. And we'll be hitting the podcast and the multicast every week all the way through it uh, for the Texas Longhorns uh, here on the Eyes on Texas pod. And, Mike, you're going to be out next week. You're going to be uh, taking a pre-planned vacation, I believe. Right? Yeah, it was not the best planning situation situation on my part so like the magazine really starts getting into full like effect on in april 1st is kind of the day i start going like i'm gonna start visiting these schools and really writing this stuff up but the way the weekend runs i don't really get back to the second and the thirds the monday and I, I i got a lot going on so it wasn't my best plan i should have done it in spring break but as we were just talking about i don't like a lot of people you know <laughs> and so i didn't want to travel at the same time but I, it's a lesson learned you know each year you, you learn a new thing where right? are you going uh, Hawaii. We're oh, going, okay. going That's to, you told me. Hawaii. Going to going to Kauai. Uh, you can you can find isolation in Hawaii, I believe. I've yeah. not been. So yeah. That's well, true. I can't wait to hear the stories and you come back and you'll we'll have a special guest host next week to, to fill the seat, but it won't be as good. Uh, we appreciate your help with the uh, the folks at the Eyes on Texas uh, for the Eyes on Texas podcast. And of course, it's all a product of the Republic of Football and the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. Make sure you're following us on all our socials. You're gonna find us on YouTube as soon as that hits the airway, so you can watch it with all our highlights and content on the big screen behind me if you just want to listen to the podcast that's fine too you'll hear the the uh, the elements but won't see them and see our pretty faces uh you can do that on spotify and on itunes wherever you hear podcasts you can hear that and again it's all a product of the republic of football on dave campbell's football's podcast and uh, the uh, the the horn, of course, and Austin Radio Network will be on the YouTube page of Dave Campbell's. Will be on the YouTube page of the Horn, and uh, we'll be cranking this out. I'm Aaron Hogan. He is Mike Craven. That's four quarters of football, four quarters of conversation. You like the Longhorns to uh, make the Sweet Sixteen and win the Sweet Sixteen game, get to the Elite Eight? What do you think? Are we talking Texas next week yeah. in the Final Four? I got him going to the Elite Eight and then losing to Houston. That's that's what I at least had in my tournament bracket going into the to the to the uh, tournament. So we'll see if that holds true. Well, hopefully next uh, week when we are recording episode four 
of the multicast. We'll be talking Texas in the Final Four, which is down in Houston. And what a trip that will be if the Longhorns are there. Uh, Pretty cool stuff. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. Enjoy Hawaii, and uh, we'll do this again next week. It's the Eyes on Texas podcast. Follow all our socials. Find us wherever you can. Tell a friend. We're here every single week talking Longhorn sports and Longhorn football.